go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. And who's a good boy? I'm a good boy. You're a good boy. I'm a good boy. Oh. All right. Of course, we're going to be reviewing the film Good Boys. So let's get right up into this. Invited to his first kissing party, 12-year-old Max asks his best friends, Lucas and Thor, for some much-needed help on how to pucker up. When they hit a dead end, Max decides to use his father's drone to spy on the teenage girls next door. When the boys lose the drone, they skip school and hatch a plan to retrieve it before Max's dad can figure out what happened. That's the good boys. Yay. (laughs) So. So. The overall story. We're going through these seven areas of focus. And the seven areas of focus consist of story, production, and design, color, cinematography, editing, sound design, which includes special effects, um, special effects sounds at least, and music. And I I find that these are the important things to really look at when when doing a review from now on. Uh, It's... It's gotten to the point where, like, there are some really good reviewers out there, and there's some really, really good channels. Chris, is it Chris Struckman or Stuckman? Stuckman. So Chris Stuckman. Stuckmanized. Yeah, is is yeah. one of those guys that we really, really like. Yeah, I just got onto the uh, Critical Drinker too. He um he loves to break down the movie from a writer standpoint, and and he's he makes some really good points on on character development and stuff like that. So, um, I think that's it's Im- important to grow and change as a show. Um, as we're doing this, and I believe that this is the next step in our whatever you want to call it evolution. By the way, did you notice that the three kids are <laughs> Chris Robinson, James Franco, and Seth Rogen, or Evan Goldberg and and, and Seth Rogen? I, I uh, definitely, yeah, definitely the the kid from uh, uh, Last Man on Earth. <laughs> um, is yeah, that, he could definitely be a a, a stand-in for Craig Robinson. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's I mean that's the way I get. It. I mean like at the end of the movie, uh, the 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 main character kid, I, I can't remember his name right now. Yeah. Well, I have the Wikipedia right. Fucking. If only here. we had the technology. But let's see. Uh, let's see, Jacob Tremblay, Keith Williams, Brady Noon. Yeah, Brady Noon. Um, Lil, he he was Lil the singer. Rel? Lil Rel was the um the the father, you know, the divorcing oh, parents. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, I actually I liked him. I didn't like his TV show, but I, yeah, I they didn't him. overdo him, and that was what, what was good about. Yeah, him. so there's Jacob as Max, Keith uh, Williams as Lucas, and Brady Noon as Thor. And Max at the end of the movie uh, is always dating these girls and then breaking <laughs> up with them. Yeah. That's why I just wanted, to, you know, I I bring up the he's the James Franco because mm. James Franco is always in the news about breaking up with somebody, and you know he may be married now, but in the past, he was always about breaking up and then getting back together with people. And then, you know, uh, Lucas and Brady Nunes, Thor. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I found that those three characters closely resemble Rogan, Franco, and Robinson, right? Yeah. With other people involved. But overall, the story in and of itself is not bad. It's a generic coming-of-age story. Yeah. But... As far as the story goes, what stood out to you, if you can remember? <laughs> God damn, I remember. Okay, so he his dad says, "Don't touch his drone." Yeah, you know, he uses the drone to to spy on the girls, and then one of the girls breaks up with her boyfriend. You know, her boyfriend gives her Molly. Yeah. So the drug thing, and then uh, 
the kids have to get a new drone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for their kissing party. Yeah, it was almost like a younger version of Superbad in a way, but with three main um, actors instead of, you know, how you had Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill with a little bit of McLovin. <laughs> uh, but um, in a way, I mean, this is like a younger version of Superbad. But it doesn't, uh, I know we're not supposed to go into other realms, but writing-wise, Superbad had a lot more story to tell. And I have to compare it in a way because this is, you know, yeah, that's fine. written, you know, this is produced by the guys who created Superbad. So, um, but this one does not hit those levels in that way. Like Superbad is like, when I first saw it, I knew it was an instant classic. This one, when we're watching it, not an instant classic. Yeah, my I had a huge problem with a couple of things, and one of them was in the story. You have the three kids, and then they 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 spy on their neighbor Hannah, yeah. right? Who is played by like um, Cutie McCuterson, uh, <laughs> yeah, Molly Gordon, and her friend Midori Francis as Lily. Um, and they're spying on them, and then you know the drawing they they capture the drone, yeah. And, you know, that was a funny part. The kids come over and they want their drone back and then they steal the purse, yeah. which has the molly in it. Now, what doesn't make any sense to me is the fact that all they had to do is just give her the purse back. Yeah. You know, and then they, they, they do the drone thing. Yeah, and then they threw in the, oh, oh, we got, got drugs? No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, we can't do this. We have to get rid of them. That's, okay. Th- then that brings me into the next part, which is the whole natural dialogue thing. But as far as... The beginning, you know, with the left hand turns and everything else. Look, when it comes to stories like this, if you go back to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yeah, or even Super Bad, and you watch that the way that the the movies are written, mm-hmm. okay, it's really really simple. You can you can give them their shit back, and then they're out of the fucking picture. Yeah, and. Still bring them back for whatever reason. Yeah, and also those movies keep the the characters honest. Yeah, because you know at some point they're going to be involved anyways. Because at the end of the movie, we find out that one of the characters is related to one of the girls. Yeah. So that's fine, but the problem with this movie come, stems from the fact that none of this feels natural. This I'm not going to say none of this. Yeah, I was going to go yeah, back. Uh, yeah, most of this to me didn't feel natural. You know, the kids playing. You know, yada yada yada. That's fine. I'm not taking. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm talking about in fact that he uses his father's value drone to spy on his neighbor and takes the purse that has the drugs in it. And then there's a big chase. Yeah. And then you know they cut school and whatever else. Yeah. <clears throat> you could have still used the drone being damaged that he has to go and get a new one or even get it repaired. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. And then they got to sell the... Uh, the special s- card. The, the, the Magic the Gathering card and whatever else. Yeah. That's just... That, that's a plot point that didn't even need to exist. Yeah. I, the thing I, I did see that was honest with the movie was the um, the tween behavior um, of them trying to act like adults, especially their friends yeah. from school. You know, like the one kid that was having thrown the, the the kissing party, right? Like how he's always, you know, he acts like he's already in college or something. You know, and yeah, he's so, he, he's Soren is his name. Yeah, and he's, it's he's fucking hilarious, cool. but it's also true because I, I mean, I grew up, you know, and I remember that shit. I remember there's always kids that fucking always had to act like they're older than they are. Oh, yeah, Isaac Wang, yeah, is his name, and then um, yeah, and he's he's just acting cooler than he really should be. Yeah, and, and a whole bunch of other things. Oh, and the little and the girl that played Annabelle, 
mm-hmm. that's just always showing up. The sister? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know. She reminds me of that girl that it was in those Pepsi commercials in the 90s. You don't remember her? She showed up in like five different Pepsi commercials. She was in... Uh, uh, anyway. All right. <laughs> Contacts, bro. What I mean, what are the commercials about? Uh, she was the one that said... Um, she brought up the new slogan with them. It was like Pepsi. Uh, uh, t- not taste great, but um, fucking some. I, you know what? I can't even remember now. I, yeah, I never. Mind. The voice of a new generation. I think that was it. Maybe no. It doesn't matter. It was like after the voice of a new generation. Yeah, yeah. I, I I get what you're saying, but I mean, when it, when it comes down to that, I I like the fact that she would just randomly appear in you know in their little beanbag room yeah. or whatever else. And also, they didn't overuse her like they did with uh, that dude's sister in season three of Stranger Things, where they overused her. And I, she, I, don't, uh, I don't know I, anything about that. I haven't seen Stranger Things season three yet. So yeah, don't, I, don't worry about it. I only got a couple problems yeah, with that. Don't fuck it up for me. No, no, no. It's I'll, yeah, it's still worth seeing. I, I'll, I, I'll punch you in your in your less fat titty. It's amazing you still haven't gone to that yet. But I, I know you're busy, but I, I you know. Yeah. Well. Uh, I've watched it twice. <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot of shit going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. But a whole lot, you know, with the physical therapy and whatnot. Um, as far as the natural dialogue goes, um, I'm going to say a good 80% of the movie was was just that, natural dialogue. Yeah. Like, I like Forte, Will Forte's character. Yeah, they'd overdo him. And he walks in and he starts, and his character was very similar to his character in Slam and Salmon, mm-hmm. as if you've seen it. So I Will finally F- did see it, yeah. Will Forte plays a character in Slam and Salmon who's dying. Yeah, you don't find out till the end of the movie why he keeps lingering around. Yeah, he yeah. Just, he's reading a book and he just wants tea yeah. with lemon in it or hot water with lemon in it or whatever. I watched like it. That. That's available, by the way, on, on Amazon if anyone wants to see it. So, um, yeah, Broken Lizard. Yeah, no, it was good. Actually, I, I think that was... It was okay. Well, compared to, like, because I'm not a fan of their other movies except for, you know, of course, Super Troopers. I love Club Dread. That's fun. I liked it better in Club Dread. Even though Bill Paxton was great in it, I just didn't care for the movie at all. Um, but because you have, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I even liked it better than uh, was it Beer Fest or Brewfest? Beer Fest. Okay, yeah, I, I think uh, Slam and I, Salmon is is their you know next best thing next com- compared to the Super Troopers one and two. Okay, so with Will Forte being that way, mm-hmm. it's basically the same exact character. Where he comes in and he starts talking to his son. Yeah, he's like, oh, so you're masturbating. Yeah, you know? he, he, he just doesn't care. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's it's just part of growing up, and the kids all fucking awkward. And yeah, that, and that's perfect. That that played out perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, and they didn't really bring it up again. And then when the kids are trying to open the pill bottle, yeah, you know, and they're not, and they're having a fucking tough time opening. My the pill my bottle. sons both laugh and they kind of give a quick look at me because I'm kind of like that with them as well. I'm, I don't act like it's a big deal. Yeah, it's not you a know? big deal. I just have a talk with them, like, yeah, you know, do your thing. Just don't leave a mess. Don't leave any evidence. So. <laughs> So you know they're trying to open a pill bottle and having a tough time opening a pill bottle yeah. and that and then they're you know beating up the bottle and then trying to get into it. Them as friends and them hanging out and riding bikes together and then trying to act all cool and shit like that. Yeah. In these awkward moments, absolutely worked. Yeah. Absolutely worked. Yeah, the, the camaraderie between the three leads. Yeah. The, like I said, the the stuff that didn't work was the whole the the whole drama with Hannah and her friend Lily. And and the drone thing, that was so useless and dumb. It was just it it just felt like it felt like it was a last minute add on to the whole to the whole movie. Like they were writing it as the whole thing was just working itself out, and uh-huh. it wasn't it didn't it wasn't natural at all. 
I can forgive some of it because that whole Terminator chase scene was hilarious. Well, yeah, that was that was funny, yeah. but it should have that whole Terminator chase scene, <laughs> which worked, but it should have done. It should have been different. Like, like, like it should have had epic music playing. Like, okay, as a kid, mm. yeah, well, that too should have had the Terminator music playing. As a kid, what they should have done with that whole thing was. <laughs> She's running like the fucking T-1000. Yeah, that was fucking great. What they should have done with that was they should have been fucking with her. Yeah. Because as kids... They, we don't give you. We we didn't care about drugs or anything else like that. It wasn't a big deal. But if we knew something was important to someone, oh my god, we would fuck with you until we were done. Like holding it over the fountain that they ran by or not, something, right? Not just that, riding away. Yeah. You know, and then making them chase us, mm-hmm. and and then you know hiding out, and then finally you know literally going back to their house and then sitting on their steps and then dangling it in front of us. Yeah. You know, and then throwing it at them or. Or whatever, just to let them know that you know, okay, we were just fucking with you, you know. Yeah. With that's natural. Yeah. Like instead of doing this whole, oh my god, they got drugs. Like what happened to her purse at the end of the movie? What happened to her phone, which was with the purse? What happened to their bikes? None of that was resolved. Yeah. Their bikes, they ditched their bikes. Everything was in disarray, mm-hmm. and and nothing was resolved at all. Yeah. You know, and then you have this quick throwaway, you know, also, kissing party thing. If if the, if Hannah spent six hundred dollars on that fucking drone, where'd she get the fucking money? Well, wouldn't she want that money back? Because she never brought up. She just wanted the fucking Molly back, right? Like, there's got to be more to it than just that. I mean, yeah, she spent six hundred fucking dollars. Yeah, so that entire sequence was just a throwaway sequence, which meant nothing. Yeah. You could have still done something, like I said, you could have still done something with the drone completely separate you and and still have it damaged so that they still have to go to the mall to get something for the drone yeah. or, you know, fix it or whatever. But it would have it would have been more realistic for the kids just to fuck with them. Yeah. Especially if they're neighbors. Like, if these kids have grown up and known this girl forever in a day because they're neighbors, yeah. then they would. Oh, yeah. Cause, you know, kids, they, they love talking to people. And they're, and they're boys. Yeah. So I guarantee oh, oh, yeah. you they're going to be fucking looking over that fence when she's wearing a bathing suit. The hottie next door. Yeah. So you, yeah. you've got to play that entire shit up. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They they let a lot of things go. They went. They didn't go one way. They didn't reveal the entire picture. And they didn't leave the audience into anything other than a boring ending with no payoff. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. The swing payoff was the swing was the good payoff. Yeah, it's a funny it's a funny ending. So thank God it ended on the funny ending. But yeah, I mean it just uh, they sex on that thing. They do sex on that. If you remember how Superbad ends, it ends. It doesn't end hilariously. It ends it with in a moment of like heart. It has heart to it, and it has um. It's like the the pinnacle of their coming of age. Yeah, where they're at the mall, and then. Jonah Hill splits off with Emma Stone, right? And Michael Sarah splits off with his girl that he, you know, has got a, you know, his girlfriend, right? And there's like a maturity thing. Now they they finally, you know, like, hey, I'll see you later, bro. You know, and it but, works so well. But and that's yeah. just you know the, them splitting off. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they're still obviously going to hang out. Yeah, they're still best friends. But you it know. just showed that they had by the end of the film, they had there was a different level of maturity that they've reached, right? And 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 see, and that works. The super bad worked in that entire way because. Yeah. 
that that was a movie that took us in different directions. It went one way and then yeah. went and, and then took left hand turns. You know, like the police scene where the guy's <laughs> just playing the Van Halen song. Yeah, Panama fucking doing donuts in the parking lot. That with is the Michael movie. Sarah. That is the movie that finally taught me that the song was called Panama and not Animal. I told oh you this before. God. I you know like you misinterpret uh, li- lyrics and you think it's something else. Yeah. Okay. I always thought it was Animal. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw I had the subtitles on, and while Bill Hader singing this shit, I'm like, "Oh, it's fucking Panama." <laughs> yeah, not that the title would give it away. Hey, I, you heard me. <laughs> but when Superbad ended, it was that the whole movie was a, a perfect balance of humor, raunch, and heart. You yeah. know, and this one it struggles here and there. It struggled a lot. It struggled to find its voice. And it, but the, 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 the distraction, though, was that the, there's so many, there's more than a few hilarious moments to distract you. The and, parents. And Will Forte in, in, in dealing with the parents. So you had this, these cuts to the parents with yeah. Little Rel, uh, Will Forte, but you never saw Thor's parents. No. You saw I, his dad. But not not anybody else. Yeah, there was something. Yeah, there wasn't any, something anything about important about the parents, uh, uh, his parents. Right, and and that's that's well, you saw Thor's mom as Sippy Cup's parents. Yeah, yeah, and and we never really got any information about Thor's mom other than she was a slut. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems with the movie is that the runtime was a little too short. Like a lot of time, like sometimes you know, a short movie. If it can get to the point, I don't mind if it's short. But this time, it needed a little extra. And yeah, and then so the uh, the whole the whole um, Lucas thing that sub it wasn't a subplot, but it was just part of his character where his parents are getting a divorce. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, because when he was crying at school during the the choir song, and yeah. you know. The, <laughs> but but the Soren thing didn't work for me because I mean he's he's all of what three foot six, you know. It's because I think it's because the, the, their parents are loaded. They it, have a, a but, lot of money. Uh, I never see growing up as a growing up when I did. Yeah, you know, growing up when we did, I didn't care. Like if you were a douche, uh-huh. you're a douche, and this kid came off as douche. <laughs> And that's what that's what bothered me about this whole thing. Yeah, is that he just came off as now th- that doesn't mean that the character wasn't supposed to be this way or he's supposed to be this way. Yeah, but it just came off to me that this kid, like I was a dick when I was a kid. I'll I'll be the first to admit I got into fights with people I shouldn't have gotten in fights with, but that's besides the point. I was yeah. a fucking dick. Yeah, for not all of my childhood, I was just I had my moments mm-hmm. like every kid, and I got my ass kicked for it. I was deservedly so. But when it comes right down to it, I knew kids like this Isaac Wang, or as Soren, I'm sorry, not Isaac, but as Soren, I knew kids like this, and everybody avoided him because he was just an up, uppity little fucking cunt. Yeah. And nobody wanted to deal with him. Didn't matter if he was a cool kid or whatever. I, I didn't float that way as it was. But everybody that I knew and hung out with, if you were just... If you were just throwing your money around and pretending to be cool, oh my God, you got called out on that so quickly. <clears throat> he reminded me of um, the modern day YouTube celebrity, young kid celebrities, okay, who act like they're the shit on their their videos, right? Or, you know, if you've seen a couple of them on there, but nobody wants to deal with them. 
So, but yet they get fucking millions of views. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are looking at that and going, "This guy's an asshole." But I'm going to find out what he's doing next to see what, see if he can top himself as being an asshole. I mean, look, the Kardashians are vapid, but fucking people still watch them. Yeah, but not me. Oh, I me neither. I, I can't stand that shit. But no, I I, I get yeah. I get what you're it's saying. It's the vicarious I thing. I think it is more I, than anything. I just I don't. I don't buy into that shit. I don't. No. I've never. I've never bought into that shit. Yeah. Um. I. I fucking. I hate that stuff. Yeah. And and look, I. I try to give some things a certain chance just so I can. I can say, hey, I look. I checked it out, so I don't sound like I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. I checked it out, and I absolutely hated it. Yeah. I. I just. Th- but this Soren kid, like kids, will call you out on your bullshit, mm-hmm. and they didn't. You know, because they were afraid to or whatever. And, and uh, uh, you know, that's that's what pulled me out of this movie. They're all sitting, sitting in, in a cafeteria, and this kid is acting like, you know, he's, he's the shit. Head of the clique. Yeah, and, and like, he, he'll beat you up, and, and, you know, if he doesn't like you or blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, I mean, I'm 47, so it, I haven't it, been in a fucking... Yeah, it, it, I, I haven't been in an elementary school for yeah. however long. It looked more like just status kind of shit. Like, well, we're the cool group if you're But not- it doesn't matter. Kids will call you out on that shit all the time. Yeah. that And that's, that's where this movie fails. Mm-hmm. It's just like... And I know that he's trying to be cool and whatnot. He's trying, you know, he's trying to fit in with the clique. Yeah. But... What about the other kids there that are just that don't want to deal with him? Kind of like and would the, just say Soren's a get the fuck out of my kind of like how douchey. Flash Thompson was in the first Spider-Man Homecoming, how he was way too much of a dick to be that popular. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. people call him out on that. You're a fucking douche. Yeah, I know what you're saying. But that whole Flash thing is the, the whole arc was taken a, a good a good way into into everybody calling him out on his bullshit. You yeah, know? eventually, yeah. It, but you know how it started off. So the production design. Um, moving from story into production design, production is supposed to set the mood and the tone and provide story details through visual choices. So like looks and clothing and props. Obviously, they that did shirt, a great... The shirts that, that Max was wearing... Uh, I'm sorry, Lucas was wearing. You know, Keith L. Williams. Um I always kept getting drawn to his shirts. Like he had like one that had a box of crayons with a smiley face on it. Uh-huh. And then he had one with a cloud that was like eating a, or the sun was eating a cloud or something. Right. Or, and I just kept, I don't know why I kept getting drawn to his shirts. The entire production was done well from, from the freeway using the, that part of the freeway. Yeah. The, even the mall, cause they weren't in the mall that long. The drone stuff. The, yeah. The drone stuff, the colors, Everything was well done. Yeah. They they didn't they didn't really move I was thinking about this earlier today, which is um uh the fight scene in Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> so when you watch Which one? <laughs> when, when you watch the fight scene in Hobbs and Shaw at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. So it starts off with with absolute darkness uh-huh. and then it moves into the light and then Yeah, it, that sun rose really the, quick. Yeah. I forgot to mention that when we did that review. And then from there, it went from light to basically back to dark again Hmm. because they were going into the next day and then from light to gray. So the way that that's set up is this. Dark to light means that they're going from their absolute rock bottom to there's light at the end of the tunnel. 
and then there's hope. Yeah, and then they go into the darkness again because the bad guy shows up. Yeah, this moment which, of uncertainty, right? Which, yeah, exactly. That doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. You know, it's because they're in a quarry, Mike. No, <laughs> they're not in a quarry. They're still fighting before any of that happens, and then it goes back into the light of day, where they have that chase, and then it goes into this gray area where. And the reason why it goes gray is because of the three main characters, Idris Elba, Dwayne Johnson, and Jason Statham, are not quote-unquote good guys. They are they're middle of the road. They're gray characters. They can be bad. They can be good. They have to do bad to do good. That's what that comes down to. And that's the same thing with Idris Elba's character. He's doing bad to ultimately do good. And, and all the characters that are in that scene are are exactly that way. Now, when you're watching this movie, and the reason why I brought that up is because the visual contrasts in that movie aren't even like that in this movie. They go from daylight to darkness. It all happens over a couple of days. Yeah. But the the most amount of time that they spend in the dark is when all three kids are getting in trouble. And then they go to Soren's house, and if you notice, they're still it's still dark when the three kids get together and they're still having to hate each other. Yeah. And they walk into Soren's house, and Soren's house is all white with all the lights on. So they went from the dark into the light. Like they're again, you know, it's the dawning of a new day. Yeah, the light they, they, at the end and of the there's a, and it's the beginning of hopefulness. It, the, exactly, the beginning of hopefulness. We're gonna score, <laughs> and that's good production design. Mm-hmm. And as much as I hated Hobbs and Shaw. That's good production design at the end. I mean, if you're watching visually, like you have all the fucking stupid stuff off. If you're just watching it visually, as you can see the differences between Johnson and Statham when one's in the sun and one's not in the sun. He's he's in a bar. It's all gray in the bar. You know, he's the light, and he's and he's and Statham is the uh, the gray, the middleman, the the not bad but bad guy, right? And hopefully this is the last time we ever talk to, talk about Hobbs and Shaw. No, it won't be because it's actual. God the reason why is because of the visual contrast. It's it's good to talk about that. But in this production design, they avoided all that. Mm-hmm. The everybody that they come across, everybody that they meet, is all during the daytime. Even in the cafeteria, everything. Yeah, they they don't do a visual contrast until. The very end of the movie, well, not the very end of the movie, but near the end of the movie when they have that party, when everybody gets in trouble, you know, you, you're taking everything away from you, I hate you, and, you know. I'm trying to think of the scenes where he's with his, um, when when Lucas is with his mom and dad, and they're talking about divorce. So everything what? is in the light. Was that in the light? Yep. I mean, everything. I was trying to think if it was a little bit darker in the house. Nope. Not at all. In fact, um when when they're talking about they go he goes to have dinner he's having lasagna for dinner or whatever and it's still light out yeah because they're they're trying to keep him happy yeah and and the parents are wearing colored colorful clothes yeah they were yeah. so if you watch every single sequence all the parents are wearing something with color in it and all the parents are very vibrant even when they're angry like when Will Forte is angry and he's like I don't I don't think I like you anymore. I love you, but I don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, you can call me sir or Mr. This or <laughs> or whatever, but you don't call me daddy. Mr. Trembly. Yes. <laughs> and, and and that was, I mean, that was fucking hilarious. I love that part of the movie. 
but the visual contrast, like he's sitting on the couch and it's still light out. Yeah, Will Forte's funny when he's able to corral himself. Exactly. You're absolutely right. He was great in The Last Man on Earth. Yeah, yeah. When he when he's when he's you know, he's better when he's bland than when he's over the top. Yeah. And 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 the, that's that's what makes this movie pretty good is good the, supporting cast. The visual production design, not the supporting cast. That's that's beyond that. I'm talking about that's just one part of it. You're right, but that's just one part of it. The looks, the clothing, the props, everything. They they did it right, and generally when you get a movie like that, like this, that's kind of a fifty percent thing, like a fifty. It's 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 not great, but it's it's fun to watch in some cases. I mean, I'm, this is not a repeatable watch for me. It's decent, but it could have been great. Yeah, but when you get a movie like this that is decent but not great, there's other problems with the movie, and those other problems consist of continuity and there's continuity problems in this you know i already mentioned that um side characters you know uh secondary stories that make no sense to you and none of that none of that is a problem the secondary story of them doing their first kissing party not a problem mm-hmm. you know them getting the the drone not a problem it was just an, it was uh, unnecessary but it was not a problem it was too mu- it wasted too much time with the drone yeah molly gordon and midori francis as as the foils for that whole thing, yeah, not a problem. Again, it was just an unnecessary trip. Yeah, they could have they could have trimmed that down to just the the chasing, and then that would be it. Instead of having to do yeah the whole buyback from the for the mall, and, yep. yeah, all that shit. Yeah. yeah. So moving from production into color, does this movie pop? Is does it set the mood and the tone? Does it give you passion? Does it give you energy when it comes to the color? Now, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it well, does. I'm, I'm going to go back right to one thing, which is the kid shirt. Okay, they're going to bring up Hobbs and Shaw. I'll bring up Hobbs and Shaw as much as I fucking want. Uh, well, I'm going to fucking give you the glumness then. So, but when you're watching the movie, Lucas's shirt, yeah. All of his clothes. <laughs> yeah. Very, very colorful. They his are. orange jacket, you know, uh-huh. when he when he uh, dislocated his shoulder, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um uh uh Thor and the way he, the way he dressed in, in the blues, you know, he, he always wore like blue, like a blue shirt with, yeah. with like a dark blue pants or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um uh Max always wore these these neutral colors, these the whites. He he was always the exact opposite of Max. Uh-huh. If you watch the movie and the way that they, like his bike is the exact opposite color of Max's bike. Oh, I'm sorry, Luke uh, Thor's bike is the exact opposite color of Max's bike. Like uh-huh. one's black and one's white, uh-huh. and like the other one is like a really loud color, like a blue color or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but Lucas always had the bright colors. Max always had the toned down, the white, the normal. And then Max always had the black stuff. Like, he's trying to be cool. Yeah. And that's all done on purpose. Because he was always, he's got the earring, he's got the dark hair. Yeah. You know? And that's that sets that tone, that sets that mood. You mean Thor. Thor had the earring. That's what I meant. Singer, I, yeah. I, I know I said Max, but yeah. Um, Thor is always dressed in these dark colors. Yeah. Always. It didn't matter what it was. He, even at the end where he's singing on stage, right? Yeah. He was always wearing a dark color. Nothing really, really vibrantly bright. <laughs> he snorted up the fucking coke line. Yep. And then uh, <laughs> Jacob Tremblay as Max was always wearing the yeah. white colors, you know. <coughs> Everything that was 
that's counter to Thor. Yeah, and then Luke is, of course, in, in his in his bright, bright, bright colors. Thought it was hilarious that um, the the guy that was doing the frown, frown, frown from the Christmas Office Christmas Party movie uh-huh. was in the same movie where they they when they were at, the kids were at the frat house and it was frown when they jump every time we would fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I did enjoy them uh, getting into a fight with the and then one of them getting punched in the face. Yeah, I love the fact that one of the kids actually got. Punched in the face, yeah. While they were just shooting, fucking <laughs> shooting the paintballs at everybody, and mostly just shooting them in the dick. Junk, yeah. It was always junk shots. And, and there was that one shot. This is so cool. There's this one shot where a guy's jumping across to get out of the way, yeah. And it's just it's his it's an ass shot, uh-huh. and the, and there's a paintball that hits him right below the you know where your balls tuck in between your legs, yep. right there. Right there, right the he gooch. got tagged right in the taint. Yeah, you know where your balls are touching. You know that had to fucking hurt. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh my god, they not that it was real or anything, but it was just a perfect shot. Like, <laughs> I don't think they planned it, yeah. but it just happened that way because yeah. that's an accidental hap. You know, hap- that's accidental yeah. happiness. That was one of at least four or five laugh out loud loud moments in this movie. Yeah, that were they were really really funny, hilarious. That's what kept. That was what you know distracted from the movie not being the best written film. Yes, and and so moving from color into cinematography, how the lighting was done in each scene, mm-hmm. um, movement. When we were just talking about that, like the firefight or the fight yeah. with the with the the paintball gun, the uh, the the Terminator <laughs> chase, yeah, the uh, running across the fucking freeway, yeah, you know, and and then getting the. This is what I liked about the movie. Um, most of all, was how they frame the shots. Yeah. Like when you see Midori running after the kids as the kids are riding their bikes away and they're doing a T-1000. And that's yeah. the first thing I thought of too yeah. was the whole Terminator thing, the way she's running. Yeah, she had like the blade hands. just. And as she got out of the car and then they followed her through as she's running, they framed that really, really well. Yeah, They didn't try to make it look like uh, she was center case mm-hmm. unlike... Un, and I'm going to bring this up. Unlike Hobbs and Shaw, where everybody had to be in the middle of the frame because they're bigger than life. Yeah, that's and and again, and they can't lose a fight. Exactly. Or if you if like if you look at the fucking poster, Dwayne Johnson and is like almost right middle with Jason Statham as close as possible. Yeah, and then you have. Um, you you have Idris Elba right there, smaller but in the middle. Yeah. So you have these three massive stars that are basically dominating the top middle of this fucking poster. In this movie, when you're watching the kids ride the bike, it's at an angle. Yeah. They they are angled so that it doesn't matter who is where. So you, and and in fact, the way that it worked out was Lucas, Max, and Thor, with Lucas being closest to the camera. Yeah. And and that's done on purpose again for that color. To catch your eye, but they range so that you can see all three of them clearly, you know, and they're ranged on the left-hand side of the picture so that when everything is moving through, all the houses are, it's, it's, um, not foreshadowing, it's, it's, uh, it's angled, the way that it's angled is that you have the three main characters present, in the picture at all times, but yeah. you can see all three characters. How the fuck do you notice that shit? I it just I just notice like, that stuff. When I start to notice things like that, it's usually on a movie that I've watched dozens of times, and all of a sudden I know every little detail about it. I I don't I 
it's just there are scenes. I, you know, that thing that you sent me with the Jurassic Park thing. Yeah, I was watching The Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> and, and and I was actually looking for other things just to see if he did other things like uh, Deadpool or anything else like that or whatever else. And I just got pulled into Empire Strikes Back, but I was watching the Jurassic Park thing with with great interest. Yeah, and he was talking about how it's framed, how when you watch Jurassic Park, and it's like we we were talking about it's part horror story, part not horror story. Yeah. So when you're watching everything and you see that first introduction of the dinosaur, the Brachiosaurus is what they, yeah. it is, but they call it a Brontosaurus in the, in in the Insider. Doesn't matter, yeah. Either or, sound like he said a Brontosaurus. Yeah, what it or, like or a, bron- yeah. a a bron- like a Brontosaurus. Yeah, he said Brontosaurus. It was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And the way that they had shown it was, they did close ups on the person, and then he stood up. Yeah, and then as he stood up, it, you the camera is with him. Yeah, and then it moves towards the dinosaur. And when it and, and and by moving towards the dinosaur, it actually is it's it's another scene where you have the jeep on the left hand side framed and the dinosaur walking by the jeep. Yeah, and it's bigger than life, huge, and they're just standing there watching it, and they're in the lower third of this scene. Yeah, whereas, and the dinosaur is the one that dominates the scene. Yeah. Okay. And and, and I've always known this stuff. I just couldn't put words to it. Yeah. So, and then they're talking about how the characters are moving, and generally on a pan and scan that they would cut out that lower third on most movies. But in this movie, they won't cut out the lower third because those characters determine the height of the dinosaur that's walking by, you know, including the tail and everything else. All of that is important to the scene. Yeah, and you don't even see the top of the dinosaur's head until he's um, eating off the top of the trees. Well, uh, technically, I mean, really, you actually see, because the camera's so pulled back, you actually see the dinosaur walk by in full frame. Um, But that's not, I understand what you're saying. And that's and when the dinosaur stands up Mm -hmm. and the trees are all bent the same way as the dinosaur is standing and everything else like that. I I just happen to notice these things intrinsically when I'm watching movies. But when I'm watching, like, I can articulate it a little bit better now after watching a couple of other things. Yeah. And and seeing that, watching these kids, like in this one scene where they're riding side by side, but the, it's, the camera's angled in a specific way so that they're, they're, they're frame left on the movie, you know, as you're looking at the movie. And then everything else that's moving by them is inconsequential, but it shows what, that they're bigger than life mm-hmm. at this point in time. They're bigger than the houses. They're bigger than the cars. They're bigger than everything that's going on because their life right at that point in time is, is the, more important. Is themselves. It's their world. Exactly. So, and then as and and then when you go to the next stage, which is them trying to cross the freeway. Yeah. They're tiny. If you watch they. From across the freeway, they're little. Yeah, because now they're in the big world. Exactly. Now they're in adult world. It's kind of like with the Jurassic Park video where it said, like, when you first see John Hammond, he takes up a lot of the screen. Yep. And then all of a sudden after he – now when he's in his um, his, um, – what do you want to call it? His um, (sighs) fallible stage. Right. All of a sudden, he's smaller, and now he's in. You know, he's farther back, and you can see more of the. Yeah, he's more fragile. He's yeah. more. He he's he's tinier in this world because of everything that's around yeah. him. But you know, when you're approaching when you're approaching Jurassic Park, yeah, 
the the island is huge. Yeah. The waterfall is huge. Yeah, the you, helicopter yeah. is huge. When you first see him, when he's taking this, the, the champagne bottle out of the fridge, for example, the camera's lower to make him look taller, and so he makes him look larger than life. Yeah, and they do the same thing with Sam Neill, who's, you know, it's it's always an up angle. Yeah. And then as, as the movie moves on, it starts to become less of a big picture thing and more intimate because yeah. it becomes a horror movie at that point yeah. in time. You know, so you have the hunter that's that's sitting there, and and the camera's always on his face these, or on Laura yeah, Dern's and face. And these people are no Goldman. longer in control of their worlds. Not not necessarily that. Yeah. It's it's close-ups. Yeah, it's always on whatever. Yeah. So when you see the Velociraptor, you don't see the Velociraptor from a long, a far shot. The only time that you see that is when you hear them and you see the bushes move. Yeah, and then they go into the pen and you see the up, the up close, and then you hear him say, "Clever girl." Yeah, you know, but you don't, you don't. It doesn't pan over, and he's far away. It's right there on his face. Yeah, and that's what they're doing with this movie as well. So when when you have these up closes in these these little personal things, like the T one thousand run where she jumps out of the car and she's sitting there and she's she's doing the the bull charge basically. Yeah, she's like, oh no, yeah. it's on right. Yeah, and it gets right up into her. That that's that you you have invaded my personal space. Yeah. Now I have to fix. This. Now you're on more, my turf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then of course she has to run away and dive into the car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But everything that's framed and the way that the cinematography is done, the lighting, the 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 angles, and they they don't do crazy angles or anything else like that because no. they don't have to. They can just frame the shot, and then they can just they can set the kids into any part of the frame that they want. You know, they can have them face on the frame. They can do it at an angle of the frame. And you're going to understand. And they're always, if you look at the movie in and of itself, the kids are never one, two, three. They're never, you know, side by side or um, or, or uh, as they're facing, let's, just, let's say they're facing camera right, you know, all three of them. The camera's always going to have all three of those kids in the same picture. That's mm-hmm. never going to be, you know, them standing side by side, you know, single file. One in front of the other. Yeah, one in front of the other. And 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 that's what I liked about this. And if you watch the way that they had framed everybody in this movie, you know, even the spinning bottle always showed a character. Yeah. Other than, I mean, you saw the bottle spin, but then it would spin around with the the camera would be on the bottle kind of spinning. Yeah. Or or how they interact with their parents. Like one's always in the middle, one is in the background, and then you have the kid closest to the camera. Yeah. That works. That's what I liked about this movie is the way that they filmed it. The cinematography is fantastic in this movie. It's it's so well done, and it shows that whoever uh, who, who the director, which is um, the same guy that wrote the movie, yeah, Stupinski, yeah, he understands. He understands very well how to frame a shot. Well, he worked on a bunch. Him and uh, uh, Lee Eisenberg together, who was he also directed it with him. But you know, I guess because of PGA rules or you know our Directors Guild rules. Yeah, you can yeah. only you can, you can. There's a certain way that you yeah, can do it. It's but. just like with the first John Wick where you had David Leach and Chad Stahelski. Right. Both co yeah, co director, right? Yeah. Um, but they both uh, worked together on the office for a bunch of episodes. And um, you know, they, they had a lot of practice with that one. Yeah, and, and working working TV is different than working movies, obviously. Yeah. 
and you learn real quick how to frame a shot in TV because you you you're working under such constraints. You do five days and then you shoot the shoot it right. Yeah. So you have five days to come up with how are you going to frame this shot mm-hmm. and how how is it going to best show the characters. Yeah. And and I, I'm not a big fan of The Office, <laughs> but man, there are that is a well shot TV show. Yeah, yeah. Because when it's always doing the uh, testimonials, it's always close. Yes. But when it's also, but when it's doing like interactions with with the office, yeah. it's farther back, so you can see a lot more. Yeah, and then you always have one character left or right of the camera, so that you have all this. I call it dead space. Yeah, but it's not dead space. It's called white noise. That's what I call it. Yeah. Um, so you have all this white noise, but you have a you have the character either like I said, generally it's not necessarily is they aren't straight on frame. Yeah. They are always just kind of kinked off to the left or the right, but you—they're doing that to show how either how useless they are, you know, in yeah. their environment, or how productive they are in their environment. And mm. let's face it, most of the people in in the office were pretty much useless in their environment, with very few exceptions. Yeah, even even this, uh, the receptionist Jenna, she—if you watch, she's always like like camera right. Yeah, you know, frame right. And then, and then she's just kind of looking around, or she's on the phone, or something, and she's kind of just, just doodling, or you know, whatever. Yeah. It may, it, and and then, the 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 noise that's going on in the bullpen or whatever else is usually like characters just kind of flipping through pages. Yeah. But you barely see them, or you see their shoulder, or you you see them lean back. Yeah, she seems to be more in the forefront when it when it's always the interaction of Jim and Pam. Yeah, yeah. and and then when you see when you see Jim and. Um, uh, uh, Rain's character. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I, I know that. Yeah, um, it's just Pam things. is always in the background. Yeah, you know when they're sitting at their desk, mm-hmm. always, and she's either on the phone, but she's always paying attention. Dwight, Dwight. There you go. Um, moving from cinematography to editing, my problem with the movie in terms of editing is the fact that there's unresolved plot lines. Like, what the fuck happened to her purse? I would and their bikes. I wouldn't doubt if. Um, just like with super bad and knocked up movies like that, that there was a shitload of stuff that they filmed that they cut out of the movie. Yeah. Um, editing is supposed to stretch moments out or build fear or anticipation. Um, the best way that they built fear was the whole running across the freeway. Yeah. That was, I think that was the only time that I actually felt any concern for the characters. Like, I mean, for their well being. Yeah. Otherwise I, I never, I never questioned that, you know, I never doubted that they wouldn't come through. Okay. Right. And, um, well, that's supposed to give you emotion and it's supposed to be bold. And there are scenes in here that do that, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's kind of bland. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no fear. There was no anticipation. Well, there was anticipation of them. Like just give them the fucking purse with the drugs in it. God damn it. And get the shit over with because this is causing a problem with the movie. Yeah. That's, that's what's stopping this movie from moving forward. And also this review because we keep going back to the purse. And <laughs> and it doesn't I mean that that whole that whole sequence didn't build any fear. Yeah. And that's that's another part of the, that's another problem with with the movie. And then they're supposed to make this soaring kid bigger than he really is, and you build fear on that, right? Or an emotion, but the payoff is just lame. Yeah. That payoff was awful. And then yeah. the the then Lucas and Thor want to leave, which is cool. Because now they've they figured out who they are and who they want to be. Yeah. Well, at least as kids. And they go upstairs, and, and then there's Molly, or there's Hannah and Lily, and they're fucking high out of their mind. Yeah, they're Molly. And they're up. like, they want 
grilled cheese sandwiches and, and song and a song. <laughs> so and then Thor starts singing to them, but there that payoff right there with them with him singing to them. Yeah, there is no payoff. It goes right into the fucking end of the movie, and it doesn't cut back to the to the girls that he was singing to. Uh-huh. Where we could have gotten a better payoff, like oh my god, that was so beautiful. Yeah. I still want a grilled cheese sandwich. You know, or 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 one of them could have gone and made grilled cheese sandwiches, and they sat were sitting there eating grilled cheese sandwiches while he's singing. That would have been funny. Yeah, you know, that would that would have been funny. That whole payoff, like it cuts was, to him singing another song, where all of a sudden he just starts like like they loved the first time he sung, so they're like do another one, yeah, encore, do another one, and next thing you know, it cuts to them eating grilled cheese. That would be fucking great. Yeah, and, and they didn't. They're crying while eating grilled cheese. Yeah. <laughs> you, even even Lucas is crying while he's oh, this is the best grilled cheese sandwich I ever had. Yeah, and, and Lucas is sitting in between them and they're like, because they're on Molly, so they keep touching yeah, his face yeah, or something. Just, oh my god. <sighs> or his hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and not not just that not not that. Yeah. That like you know how kids grab the ear? Yeah. You know? That what would have been even funnier is if each of them had like were had their hands on their on his head, yeah, and were just eating and just completely <laughs> just satisfied with smiles on their face. They're just they're just touching his hair, <laughs> you know, yeah, and and then eating a sandwich at the same time, yeah, you know, just like the kid grabbing the ear, yeah. and then sucking his thumb, <laughs> same fucking thing. Yep, that would have worked, but they didn't do that. They 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 went into this weak subplot to finish off the movie, and and give us this kind of send-off where the kids get together as a, they're acting like adults, you know? The ending hey, gets, man, it's so good to see you. The ending felt rushed, and I think that that, that feeds into the whole the movie being too short. At, yeah. a, at a 90 minutes with credits, because there's nothing that goes on during the end credits. So if those end credits are like six minutes long or whatever, so that means the movie's like 84 minutes or so. So you've got 84 minutes, and it's, that's not enough time. Yeah, and then the, as we were just talking about with the music and stuff like that, the sound design... Uh, and sound design and music all kind of just kind of go together. Um, the sound design was fine. I had no problem with it. I, I liked, I liked the effects that they used, like the, the paintball shooting, and the, uh, or like when they were messing with the uh, the blow up or the sex doll <laughs> that they thought was a fucking par- paramedic doll. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I get the feeling he's gonna go home and Why fuck that? Why is it that? sticky? Yeah. <laughs> and he pulled the fucking pube out of its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Uh, yeah, there were some really good moments in there. Yeah, I, um, I think the problem is is that there was a little more raunch than heart, and the movie could have used more heart. Yeah, and then uh, and then going into the last one, which is music, um, I didn't have a problem with the soundtrack whatsoever. In fact, I th- it works so well with the movie yeah, that I, I, I wasn't even paying attention to the sound, to the music. Until uh, that last song that he he, he was doing. Um, I want to know what love is. I want to know what love by is. foreigner. Yes. Um. Yeah, <clears throat> I I did not like the soundtrack for the most part because I'm not a fan of modern day music. Uh, but I will say this: that at least they didn't play any of the songs for too long, and so that's why it didn't bug me as much as it could have. Yeah, but I mean the way that they did it was funny, so I didn't have. I, I really didn't have a problem with it. I agree with uh, the ratings on this, which is about six and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to probably give this movie like a five and a half to six out of ten if I was going to give it a rating. So yeah. it, is it worth watching? It's 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 a, it's a tad better than the average comedy or average modern day comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not hitting it out of the ballpark. But it had the potential to be the next super bad, and it, it failed. Yeah, it absolutely failed. Uh, on that end, and it shouldn't have. So, like, I don't even look forward to a sequel. Which, if this makes enough money, then maybe they will make a sequel. Yeah, but. it's a twenty million dollar film. It's gonna, 
It's going to crush it. Yeah, it already made its money back because they, they barely advertise this anyway. So yeah, it, it made like $25 million its first weekend. It it knocked uh, Hobbs and Shaw off the top spot. Yeah, good. <laughs> that fucking doll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was the... the the uh, learning how to kiss thing, you know, the doing um, research. Oh, the search. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, and then the girl's like, "Why don't you just Google how to kiss?" Yeah, learn how to like, kiss. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That and you know what? I, I that was believable because there's a lot of times where you you t- you know you tell your kids something simple, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> why didn't I think of that?" See. Yeah, that's just sure. Where the sun's eating up the cloud. So, and then he's always in this gray, and yep. he's always in this like a darker color, blues and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and he's always in these fucking these bright, bright colors. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Really, all I want to do is have some fun. Is look at the soundtrack. It's so fucking dumb. That's why I don't go to Screen Rant. Nightmare featuring uh, We Are Young featuring Janelle Monae. Uh, nobody speak. No ordinary love. Jungle fever. Multi-million. Yeah, yeah this isn't the jungle fever though that you were thinking of. Valentine, the case. Walk on sunshine. Walking on sunshine. Um, nightmare. No time to burn. Race with the devil. Oh, Judas Priest. Asia. Heat of the moment. Uh, Oblivion. Crime. Uh, Grimes. Heat of the moment feels like one of those safe uh, '80s songs to use during like, um, you know, like like rom coms. Yeah. But you don't really hear it that often. So when I heard it in the movie, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. Um, like I said, most for 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 the soundtrack, I didn't have a problem with anything. And I'm, you know me, I'm not a rap guy. I yeah. can't stand rap. But if it's done in a movie that makes sense, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, yeah, it 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 has to work in a movie. You can't just throw it in there like Hobbs and Shaw. Please don't bring that goddamn movie. Hobbs and Shaw. Goddamn it. So. Um, hey, oh, oh, for uh, extra news, the the Rock got married this week. Great, <laughs> more Hobson Shaw. So, what is your uh, song? What is your wrap it up for me, Joe? My rap. Okay, here's my rap song. Uh, the film is uh, it's worth one viewing, and um, I hope that there is a director's cut where there's like maybe at least another fifteen minutes added into it. I don't, I doubt they will, but if they did, it'd be nice. Uh, but the movie and the movie has moments that are worth seeing. There's hilariousness to it. The, the leads have great chemistry with each other. It doesn't feel forced between the three. Um, there is a little bit of heart, but nowhere near as much as there should have been. Um, this could have been the next super bad, but it wasn't. And that's a shame. This is for me a one-time viewing, even though there are some hilarious moments, but that's it. I mean, neighbors had hilarious moments too, and that was worth more than one viewing, but this one does not because neighbors had heart. And it had humor. This one has more humor than heart, and that's the problem. You got to have a good balance, and that's what this movie's missing more than anything else. Um, and yeah, that, that that's pretty much it. See it one time, you know, but that's it. Okay, there we go. Is that it? So, is it a good boy, or is it just a decent boy? It's an okay boy. It's it's just an okay. It's boy. working class boy. All right. And so uh, the next movie that we are going to probably be seeing, unless the, they they yank it out of theaters. <laughs> uh, is uh, Ready or Not, the hunting inside of a mansion movie. Why would they pull it on theaters? Because they pulled the hunt because they're afraid of, uh, you know, showing something that, you know, after all these do, sh- do, mass shootings that are coming out. Do Don't you, use me as your template. Do, do you think that they would have pulled it already? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm using it stop, as an example stop, to throw some shit stop. out. Stop. That's dumb. You stop. 
That's that's just. Ugh. Am I? Do I not have a point? No, no, because they would have pulled it already. Okay, but I do have a point though. No. They pulled the hunt. I mean, it wouldn't be that far out of left field if they had pulled this movie as well. But they didn't. Okay. So, it's, but if they had pulled Ready or Not as well, would you have been surprised? No, but I, I don't. Okay. Well, I'm glad that they didn't because we're going to go see Ready or Not. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> Is that all we got? Nah, it was just. Ugh. Say you love me. No, fuck Tell you. Tell me you love me right now.